Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFair Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M, where we help entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! Well, we got a little story for you, Ags. Anna and Drew Dudley, both Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2012, are the owners of Dudley Engineering an engineering firm that's based out of College Station, Texas, and is one of the fastest-growing Aggie-owned companies this year. This structural design and engineering firm just recently opened up offices in Austin and in Houston. Anna and Drew see a world where they provide immense value to the people, the projects, and the communities that they work in, and they have a BHAG to triple the size of their company over the next five years. So pass it back and listen up to Anna and Drew as they share some good bull. Welcome back, Ags. We've got a super, super special episode for you today. Anna and Drew Dudley, two of my favorite entrepreneurs, two of my favorite engineers, without a doubt, are joining us today. They are the president and vice president of Dudley Engineering. And like I said, I've, I've known Drew and Anna for probably three or four years and just the way that they think about entrepreneurship, the way they think about serving their customers and building a great team, you guys are in for a treat today. So Anna and Drew, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us, guys. Well, y'all have got a really super special story that you're a husband and wife working together in an engineering firm that, that you own, but you also have the pleasure of raising your family here in Aggieland but we're not students any longer. What, what do y'all miss about being students? Did you know each other as students? Just there towards the end. We, we met at the end of our uh, college career. So we're so happy to be back in Aggieland, back in College Station. I would have said that I missed the, the game day atmosphere the most, but now that we get to experience that every year, every game, I'd say I, I miss the, the people and the organizations that I think really make Aggieland, what it is, carrying on the traditions and really helping, you know, all the students um, discover their potential and their passions. That's what it was about for me, at least. And so for me, you asked, you know, if we had known each other during school, I'll give you the shortened version. But um, so I had done my undergraduate degree at the University of Kansas uh, because Texas A&M didn't want to offer me a football scholarship. So I had to go up to Kansas. But I came back to get my master's at Texas A&M. And the very first week that I moved back to A&M, I met Anna. Uh, and then I think we were engaged seven, eight months later. It was pretty quick uh, into that process. That's awesome. And in terms of like what I miss is being a student at A&M. So I wasn't at a conventional student. So I was a master's student. Plus I was working 16 to 20 hours a week for a civil engineering firm, Schultz Engineering, um, here in town. So yeah, I didn't do a lot of the student activities as a student, but I do teach at Texas A&M now. I teach three courses. Um, so I've got three coming up in the fall. And so I'm around the students. I get to feel that energy um, with them. And I do enjoy it. I, I love teaching up there. That is awesome. So, so love that. That is so cool. All right. So tell us a little bit about the origin story of Dudley Engineering and how did y'all start it and why did you start it and how did it come about? My father is an entrepreneur. He started a construction company. And so I got to see that. He started that when I was about two or three years old. So as a young kid, I remember my dad working out of the spare bedroom late in the middle of the night. And so I've always had that inspiration. I guess you'd say it was bred into me that I always had this inkling inside of me that I wanted to be part of something great. And if I had to, you know, if I thought I needed to do it myself and I needed to do it, 
luckily at that time when I decided, you know, quit my job and go start Dudley Engineering back in 2017, and I had a very good career. Um, we were stable. We had just had a kid and we were just building a new house, you know, outside of that. That sounds like a perfect time to start a company. Yeah, but I, I always do say like entrepreneurs, especially when they only have like a, a one income household, like I'm like, that's a huge risk. And I had a very well-paying job. I was never concerned, you know, that we wouldn't be able to buy groceries or pay the mortgage. Um, so it did offset that risk. But that was the main motivation for it was I, I wanted a lot of opportunity. I saw kind of in our industry that I just didn't like the opportunity laid out for me as some of the more uh, established companies thought I had a few ideas on how we could do things better. Even though Anna didn't officially get involved into the company until about two years in, obviously she was involved from day one because you don't make a decision like that and you don't go anywhere unless you have the full support of your spouse. So. Yeah. That's kind of the origination story. The first six months, I think I worked out of a spare bedroom in our house by myself. And I did, you know, I'm an introvert, but I found myself, I would call people in the middle of the day just to talk to them. Because even me in isolation, I couldn't handle it. Can you believe that, Gromick? <laughs> no, uh, no I'm, I'm sorry, man. I got to stop that. that. That's no, uh-uh, nope. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very, I'm a well, what do they call it? A well-practiced introvert. Yeah. You know, I, I can go to a party and, and, and socialize, but it, it, I, I leave and I need to go home and go to sleep because <laughs> I'm toast afterwards. Yeah, so first six months by myself, I think we hired the first employee at about that seven, eight month mark. And at that point is when I moved operations down to College Station. We had started out in the Houston area. Uh, moved it down to College Station, and then just been building since then. And then I'll let Anna pick up in 2020 when she came on board. That's where all the big stuff started happening. The stars kind of aligned. And if you had asked me in, um, I don't know, July of 2019, if I would ever work with, with Drew, I would have said no way. I mean, we would have, you know, we would butt heads too much. We're both very headstrong people. But yeah, like I said, the stars aligned. There were a lot of opportunities that kind of lined up. We felt like it was a good jumping point. So I left a, a place um, where I had great mentorship and great leadership. And I will always, you know, be grateful for that time, time with them. But I decided to join and kind of help him grow. And that's one thing is that Drew's always wanted to make this firm really big and, you know, impact the most amount of people and impact the industry um, to the greatest extent possible. And so to do that, we knew that he probably couldn't do, you know, both the technical, both the technician aspect and the business and strategy and growth aspect all on his own. So and it's been a great team uh, in that regard. So and, and I know that our accountants love that I'm not doing the books anymore. <laughs> Because, you know, there's a certain time period there where we were very busy and I'm still doing all the invoices and everything. And it's like, ooh, it's good that we have all these processes in place now. So, so how did you guys come up with the division of responsibilities and, and roles? Was it natural? Um, was it natural? Hey, if we're, once Anna comes on, these are the things that she's really passionate about and she's really good at she'll handle that and drew does the other stuff or i mean was there back and forth yeah i, I would say it was pretty natural i mean anna's always been very interested in leadership and management and that's where she her role has fit in here from a technical standpoint as a firm we provide structural engineering geotechnical engineering and environmental engineering and construction materials testing and anna is none of those in terms of her skill set she is a civil engineer that specifically worked on land development 
And I have made multiple promises to many great civil engineering firms in and around town saying that we will never do civil engineering because there are a lot of our clients. You know, they, they uh, pick us up on jobs or refer us to clients. So, so Anna never gets pulled in on the technical side, which is a blessing because she's not ever fighting fires on a project front. You know, she can stay high level. What are we doing in terms of recruiting, leadership, mentorship? She can stay at that level, whereas, you know, from time to time, I get my head buried into a project on the technical side. So there's always been that natural division. But then the other blessing is because she is a civil engineer, she's a licensed professional engineer. She comes from the industry. She still knows what we're talking about, even though she doesn't get pulled in to actually assist on projects. When when you decided, Anna, to, you know, come on, was it a, you know, I'm doing this in two weeks or a month or whatever that it was, or was it? just a slow integration into the company? Yeah, that's a great question. I reflected on that a little bit. It was a, it was an odd transition because it was going right into COVID. So the intention was to kind of have a long drawn out transition. Um, I was working on a, a big project that I was very passionate about at my previous firm. And I, I didn't really want to leave. I did not want to leave them high and dry on, on that. And um, so I wanted to kind of help with that transition and then COVID hit and, you know, everyone kind of got shook up for a few weeks at least. Um, and so at that point, we were able to kind of transition out, I guess, a lot quicker. And so, yeah, it worked out. It worked out well. That, that's awesome. And, and we've heard a lot of entrepreneurs that have used COVID and the challenges that were at the beginning of COVID as a catalyst to be able to kind of take that next step. By definition, you had to figure things out. Things were not the same. And so you just say, okay, the, what, what's one of the things that entrepreneurs do best is they say, okay, well, this is a challenge. Let's figure it out. Let's move forward and let's keep growing. So let's kind of, you know, bounce back a little bit. Drew, you, you said, or Anna said that you had had a vision for growing the company and making this large. Um, and this is really for both of y'all. How do you guys define, is it the locations where you at? Cause, cause you're not just in Bryan College Station anymore. Is it the, the size of the projects that you're doing with? Is it number of people? How do you guys kind of define what growth and success is? We, and we do. That's something we talk about quite a bit, not, in, not only just between us two, but within the firm as, as total. So what I define it as is the impact that we can have to our communities and our society. And if we're doing something good, if we've got a good system in place and we've got good people and every project we work on, we're saving the owner a little bit of money on construction costs. We're helping the contractor get it done a little bit quicker. That, that helps alleviate the burden to society from the cost of construction. And if we can extrapolate that to more cities, then we're helping out the greater good. So that's on a project level. Also, in general, we pride ourselves that we are able to compensate our employees higher than they can get at other industry um, firms. And to me, that's a big one too. But I think the biggest is we, you'll hear us harp on culture all the time. We want it to be a place where you enjoy coming to work, where it's not a drag. It, it doesn't even have to be your best friends at work, but just the culture that we have here right now, and much of it is the people. We've got a lot of great people. And there's just, there's spontaneous laughter that erupts throughout the day. What my, by the same time, people know how to get work done. And trust me, they can get some work done because we pump out a lot of work for how many people that we have here. To me, that's what it means. Like, can we take this system where we, we think we've got a great culture, we're able to compensate our people well, and we're making a positive impact to the communities we affect? Well, why would we just want to limit it, you know, to one local jurisdiction? Let's, let's try to expand this as far as we can go. 
as long as we maintain those standards. And that's the one we're really struggling with. We haven't gotten to that problem yet, but we know it's like, as you get bigger as a company, how do you maintain that entrepreneurial spirit? Across locations. Yeah. Yeah. And and so really to maintain that culture across locations, to me, it's all about over-communication, those standards that we have, those tools that we have, those systems that we have. Um, And I think there's going to be a a lot of having people go to the different locations from different offices just to visit and work there with them and, you know, make sure that we can keep that culture alive as they transition into really building a team in the different places. But for me, you know, you asked about kind of what is the definition of that success and, and add to Drew's point, we also really want to just impact the most number of people in terms of team that we can, because I think that we are building a system that will allow us to really, you know, challenge people and let, help them see the potential that they have and really discover what the impact that they can have. Um, and so that's kind of the reason for wanting to be so big is just being very driven by trying to make the greatest impact on the greatest number of people um, that we can. Love it. So what's the biggest challenge that you're facing with all of that? I mean, you have three offices now, correct? In one in Bryan College, or sorry, in College Station, one in Austin, one in Houston. You know, as you guys are looking to expand, let's say, I don't know, Dallas, Fort Worth, and, and San Antonio, as you guys are looking to expand out, what challenges are you looking at and how are you going to overcome those things? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is, is staying ahead of that growth. We have started to send people off to those locations, but for us, we very intentionally tried to slow down a little bit this year. We, we get together at the end of every year as a full team, and we do kind of a vision planning session as a full team. And the vision for 2022 that came out of last year was that we wanted to slow down and be very intentional about establishing those systems and processes and tools that we talked about, really identifying our standards, defining our culture. And, and I mentioned that over-communication earlier, we talk a lot about our values. So I think you would be hard-pressed to talk with one of anyone on our on our team, if you ask them what our values are, they're going to know because we talk about those values weekly, if not daily. So they hear about them all the time. But I, I think that is the biggest challenge is that growth and um, over communicating everything that we're trying to do so people really stay on the same page with that. And you said like in Dallas. So Dallas is definitely on our list. We already do a lot of products up in Dallas, but for us, it's all about the people. So first we have to identify a person that can be the leader for that Dallas group. So we've got those people in Austin. We've got those people in Houston, both Austin and Houston. For the most part, those people have already worked with us for two to three years. So they understand our culture, our system. And now, you know, with our assistance, but it's really upon them. Can you keep that same culture into the Austin office, the Houston office? And we want to do the same in Dallas, but yeah, it's all about finding the right people. So, so far, Houston and Austin have both been employees working for us. And we asked them, but they expressed a desire they would like to move to those cities for one reason or another. And so when we think the time is right, when they've got the experience and we've got the infrastructure to back them up, we're going to make that move. So are you all on Entrepreneur's Operating System, EOS? We have not done EOS. Okay. I'm familiar with it, but we uh, we have not done EOS yet. Well, definitely that's something that we talk about with a lot of the entrepreneurs on Aggie Growth Hacks. And I mean, you guys are just poised for so much growth. That's going to take your ability and your culture that you have and just, just explode it. What are y'all's values? Can you share those with us? Yeah, definitely. We got four values. One of them is exceptional communication. 
And that's something that Drew, even from the beginning, Drew really was recognized for as being excellent at communicating, not only being extremely responsive, but also being thorough and even being proactive in his communication on projects. Passionate. This guy right here is incredibly passionate. And you see that throughout the entire team as well. Just very passionate about structural engineering, about geotechnical engineering, whatever it is that they do. You want to take the other two? Yeah. And so the other, the third one is pro team and all these values, we start to stay local and then we go more global with it. So locally pro team is and on your project team. We, every single project you're working as a team, there's more than one person that goes into making that success. So are you taking actions that help the whole team, not taking selfish actions? And then we can extrapolate that to our client, which is typically the architect or the contractor. Are we making decisions? Are we doing things that are making them successful? And then extrapolate that even further in people that we're not directly contracted with, other consultants, stuff like that. Are we making decisions that help everyone be successful? Because at the end of the day, if everyone's successful, everyone's happy. Um, if one person you know, does something that makes the project get off the rails, everyone gets hurt by that. So we try to make the project successful. And then the last one is construction-wise. Um, and by that, we mean that, number one, we strive to understand how the buildings we design actually get built. And number two, we try to make our drawings as constructible as possible. So I always like to use the example, everyone's probably put together a piece of Ikea furniture. And we can all say that there's probably frustrations and we wish it was a little bit better. But even in the Ikea example, they're making that unit that's going to be reproduced hundreds of thousands of times. They can spend a lot of time on those. One of the issues with the construction industry is every building is unique. That we're building it one time, one time only. So we don't have nearly as much time to invest in doing those drawings, but at the same time, we need to make it where somebody can easily look at it and be like, okay, I understand how to put this together. So we don't try to, you know, hide notes or hide details. If it's important, we try to make it big and bold. So it's very clear to see. We use lots of 3D images just because everyone's kind of more of a visual thinker. It's a lot easier if you see it in 3D than on the 2D plane. So we try to do things like that. And then the biggest one is every time that our engineers go out to a job site to do an observation or inspection, they're supposed to ask the contractor, hey, do you have any recommendations? Was there anything in the drawings that was unclear? Do you have any advice for us? Because number one, I firmly believe that we can learn a lot from those guys that are actually building it. They see a lot more than we do. And number two, I think it just gets across the attitude. We don't think that we're better than you. We're on the same field. We got to work together to make this thing successful. Awesome. And that, that kind of goes right back into the pro team thing, right? I think that that kind of pigeonholes, right? Or dovetails, pigeon, whatever. Yeah. It, all right into that, right? Mm -hmm. And construction-wise specifically, the engineers as a whole are known as not knowing how things are built. That's kind of the knock that you hear about engineers. You know, the typical one is we're not very good socially. You know, we can't communicate. So we try to address that one. And number two is that, you know, we're just sitting behind a desk and we draw things. We don't know how it gets built. So we're purposely trying to address those. And I think it helps with my background. I grew up with my father as a contractor. I worked as a laborer during construction. And also a lot of our clients are contractors. We probably do about 40% of our projects where we're directly contracted underneath the contractor. So we're getting their direct feedback as well, which helps us. Awesome. Love it. So what is your big, hairy, audacious goal? Your five or 10 year moonshot? Where are y'all going to be in five to 10 years? Well, so our, I'm big about when we, when we talk about goals that they've got to be, you know, they've got to have a, they've got to be quantitative and they've got to have a timeline on them. Yet our big, hairy, audacious goal is not necessarily defined that way, but we really want to become a nationally recognized firm built around 
a lot of great people. Um, and so you'll you'll hear about really some of the some smaller firms. Sometimes it's all about you know the founder, the main guy, um, or the main girl. And we want to grow that. We've talked a lot about how we want to impact people and and help them grow into their potential. Well, it's it's about building it around a lot of great people. So that's our big hairy audacious goal. But I would say to be more specific and give us a little bit of a timeline to reach for. I have a mini BHAG of hitting a team size of 100 people by 2027, which I think is definitely doable and we're, we're definitely on track for. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, I just am very driven by having the biggest impact on the most amount of people by helping them see what they can do and what they can accomplish through a great career. How big is y'all's team now? 23. So, so do you see that expansion through um, ju- just hiring more people in the, the places that you are? We talked about geographically finding the right person in doing that, but are, you're not going to go into civil engineering. But is there another field that, that you, you're going to be going into um, or is this all organic growth? Just trying to understand where y'all see your. There's definitely nothing on the horizon that we're looking at another service line in terms of adding. Um, right now, we feel like we've got a good combination. Um, to go after is probably going to be majority organic growth. We we're sitting here in College Station. One of the reasons we love Bryan College Station is because we have Texas A and M here it has a great civil engineering program. We are pulling some of the top talent when we're right here in College Station, and we have some advantages because we're here locally because we bring them in for co-ops. They work for us during the semester, during the summer. We keep them full full rotation. Um, when they go after a master's degree, we're going to assist with paying for that master's degree. It helps them, obviously, because not only are they getting that financial assistance, but they're also getting real world experience, which helps tie what they're learning on the theoretical. Um, so how is it actually applied? Um, and obviously, it helps us because if you're a college student and you're willing to work 16 to 20 hours during the semester while getting your degree, you're passionate. Like I, I can check that off the box. I know you are because that's not easy. It is not an easy task to do. I did it myself and it's a struggle. So yeah, it works out really great for us with that program. That, that is awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your background, your vision, where you're going to go. We cannot wait to see y'all as you continue to grow and continue to, to hit your mini BHAG and your big BHAG. But let's pause right now for a couple words from this episode sponsor. So now we're going to roll right into the Aggie Growth Hacks lightning round. One rule, really simple, 30 seconds or less. Uh, Maybe we'll give each one of you 30 seconds in order to to have a little bit of grace. But um, Anna and Drew, what is y'all's favorite hacks? This could be a business hack, a personal hack, a time hack, a productivity hack. What can we learn from y'all? I'd say personal compartmentalizing has been key. And I will say that having a toddler helps you compartmentalize real fast. (laughs) Because you, you can't go home and be worried about work when uh, you got a madman running around. But um, I'm referencing our, our two-year-old son, Mac, is uh, a wild one right son. now. Not, not the other wild man. Not <laughs> no, not the other wild man. That one too, but no. But yeah, compartmentalizing and really allowing yourself to you know disconnect, focus on family when you're at home. And then when you come to the office, regardless of what's going on you know at home, it's, it's business and it's working towards those goals. I would say mine is similar. That is one thing that I've had to learn, especially, you know, COVID era remote work. I've gotten to a, a good spot where I'll get up early in the morning and work. But when I leave work around 6 or 630, I'm done for the day. It's out of my mind. I'm not thinking about it. I'm concentrated on my family, my friends, um, what we're doing at home. 
Um, and that's really been, cause I, to me, I, I need that time to like shut that off in my head and recharge for the next day. So this is a follow-up question to that. This is not on the lightning round. Does it work with y'all's dynamic? Do, do you both leave everything at work? Like, yeah, we'd be we'd be lying if we said we didn't talk about work at home. But a lot of times, it it, it is just there's so much going on with the kids that you know we really are just focused on them. But well, I Anna's purposely like she's adamant we have lunch every Wednesday just us two because we don't get an opportunity to talk with one another. Cause the next question that comes up is how's it like working with your spouse? It's like, well, I don't really see her that much. Cause you know, like, we're both going in a million miles in other directions. So we have to specifically set time to talk about business stuff because usually when we're at home at the dinner table, we're talking about, you know, what did our daughter do at school that day? Um, our son has water day tomorrow. You know, you need to make sure you take his backpack with the extra change of clothes, you know, normal stuff. <laughs> and then we've got to set aside special time to talk about business stuff. Love it. Okay. Next lightning round question. What is the favorite advice you've ever been given and bonus points on how you applied it? Oh yeah. So mine is, uh, and this is earth shattering for most, most engineers, but I, uh, best advice has been for me to take the risk. And that wasn't just take the risk with, you know, jumping and working with Drew. We've taken a lot of risks in the business too. Um, and they've paid off dividends so far and they'll continue to, but that was a, a tough lesson for me to wrap my mind around, but really he was the one giving that advice. So yeah, and mine's kind of similar. You know, the old adage that don't be afraid to fail is difficult as a structural engineer because that's what I specialize in structural engineering. Because failure in our case, in a lot of cases, could mean somebody loses their life, a building collapses, something like that. So you have to be careful when you talk about don't be afraid of failure because there are certain limits that we can't do. But engineers do tend to be risk averse, too risk averse in most cases. We've got to trust the technology, the technical uh, prowess that we're taught um, and that we learn and lean into that. And I think that that's something that has fared us well. We still are very conscientious of, yeah, what we're doing is to protect the life and safety of the public. Um, but you, you don't need to add safety factors on top of safety factors because we still have to make it economical for people to live and build different buildings. What's y'all's superpowers? It'd be, no, hang on, wait a second, wait a second, wait. I want you to tell each other what their superpower is. Uh, what her superpower is? <laughs> you know, we always say that we make a good team. I am much more prone to taking a risk and jumping into something. And I'm also, I'm optimistic to a fault. I see an opportunity and I only look at it as these are the amazing things that we're going to go after. And so, Anna, this is where it causes a lot of our disagreement because she will say, hold on, Drew, slow down a little bit. Have you thought about this, this, and this? And at the beginning, you know, I get upset. I'm like, why are you, you know, you're, you're trotting on my happiness. This is going to work. But at the same time, you've got to talk through what can go wrong. So to me, that is her superpower for me, because otherwise I jump headlong into stuff. And usually I'll find a way to make it work, but not without extra pain points. <laughs> she can help me relieve those pain points. That's her superpower. Would, would you agree with that, Anna? Yeah, I, I do. I'm surprised that you would call that a superpower because, yeah, it's, it's I, I'm not saying that I respond favorably to it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, is, it, it is a good dynamic because I am I like to be very methodical and to slow down and to plan things out. And he likes to take, you know, take the risk, make the jump. So it worked out. You know, typically we got to talk through things and and get to that point. But it's worked out. So, so oh, that's true. Well, superpower. I'm trying to think. Oh, no. 
I would say his superpower really is the passion that he has for everything um, in his life, being, you know, structural engineering, being business, being family. He is just good at everything, great at everything and passionate about everything. And he will go all out to make it, you know, whatever it is, make it the best that it can be. And so that's something I've always admired and really learned from, um, especially in the past couple of years with him. Awesome. So what gets y'all out of bed and excited about your business? It is the people. I think that's been my theme uh, throughout my career. And especially now with, with the people that we have and the opportunity we have ahead of us is just, I want to get out of bed and keep thinking about ways to, to, you know, grow the people that we have, invest in them, and then add more and convince others that, you know, this is where they need to be. If kind of what our vision and mission and values, if, if those resonate with them, I want them, I want them here. Yeah. Again, I would echo the same thing. It is the people, but I also have to mention, so the, uh, the last dance documentary with Michael Jordan, it really spoke to me when MJ is like, they bring up all these instances when he's like, somebody said something small comment to him. He's like, and MJ like, that made it personal. And that was his internal driver. So I am super competitive. And so like, I used to be a college athlete, don't really have that anymore. So business is competition to me. And I usually, I will find something, you know, something that's like a passing comment that somebody probably doesn't remember that they said, but I'll lock onto it. And that's my internal driver because even as an entrepreneur, I get tired. There's times where I'm like, I'd rather just watch Netflix and sit on the couch, but I can find internal drivers, stuff like that, that keep me going, get the adrenaline pumping. That's something else that gets me going. Thank y'all both for making time out of your busy day to, to share with us um, a little bit more about you and your company, what makes y'all tick. How can the Aggie Growth Hacks family get in touch with you? You can always email me. I love hearing from people, whether it be, you know, st- current students, students coming into AM or, um, you know, old ags. You can email me. It's adudley at dudleyeng.com. And we also, we love social media. So we've, we're pretty active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So follow us there. LinkedIn, we're just Dudley. Um, and on Instagram, we're at Dudley ENG. So. And how can we support y'all? I think biggest thing is we want to hear from from those Aggies that are, you know, structural engineers, geotechnical engineers that, you know, for whatever reason may not see the opportunity um, with where they are right now, or maybe they're in school and they're just really ambitious, driven, entrepreneurial minded engineers, uh, we want to talk to you. And um, I think that if that resonates with you, you know, we're a great place to start. That's so awesome. Well, we really appreciate y'all's generosity on coming on the Aggie Growth Hacks podcast and sharing with us y'all's entrepreneurial journey and really where you guys want to go. We really appreciate it. And the final one, I will point out a shout out to Greg. So Greg reached out to me, I think it was 2018, early 2018. We went and had lunch at Copy Bridge on Harvey Road, which is <laughs> right across that. the street where we're building our new office building. But I distinctly remember that conversation. And it was kind of like a welcome to the community um, type call. But I remember that, you know, over four years ago now. But I appreciate that, Greg. You're a great ambassador for our community and for the Hagging Network. So thank you for that. Well, y'all are the ones that do the hard work every day. I mean, I'm, I don't have the courage to do what y'all do. So thank you for what you do. <laughs> All right. so much. It's been fun, Chris, Greg. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that amazing or what? I know that I took away a lot of value bombs that they were dropping, that Anna and Drew were dropping. What was your favorite takeaway? 
Greg? Um, I think the thing that Anna talked about, and, and both of them really talked about it, but Anna really said that one of the things that she does and she believes in is over-communicating. And to be able to be in a position that they are to over-communicate with their teammates, to over-communicate with the contractors that they're working with, the architects that they're working with, the people that you know actually own the building that they're helping support or the structure or whatever they're doing, just to over-communicate, be preemptive and to be able to say, okay, here's some things that we need to deal with and address. I thought that that was super, super cool. And I also found it was really cool that they said that they took out, they said every Wednesday, they're going to have lunch together. And initially I thought it was just to make sure that they had, you know, some family time to make sure that they were focusing on that. But no, 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 no. They took that lunch to talk about business, to, to communicate business about what they were doing because they separated their roles really well. And Anna does what she's really passionate about and really, really good about. And Drew does what he's passionate and really, really good about. So I thought that just the overall being a level of communication that they have and they set for themselves and their team was super cool. Uh, what about you, Chris? Well, and honestly, I liked how they talked about how they go out to the job site and they get feedback from from the people actually working on their drawings and their plans. So I think that's that goes right really, really well into that communication piece as well there. So I did like that. So my biggest takeaway really, and I, I start this several times, is that they intentionally slowed down or they decided to intentionally slow down the growth of the company in 2022, right? So we're talking a super fast growing company. They started in you know 2018-ish, somewhere around there, 2017, yep. 18-ish, right? And they now have 23 employees and we're talking engineers. So this is a pretty good sized company at this point to have 23 engineers. And, you know, Anna said her BHAG, her mini BHAG, what is that? Her mini, mini BHAG, BHAG is, <laughs> is to get to a hundred employees, right? You know, I, I think that takes a lot of courage to slow the horses down, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. And just say, okay, mm -hmm. hang on a second. We're not going to we're not going to take on absolutely everything. We're going to slow down a little bit of our growth here so that we can do things better, right? And put the processes in, in place and, and make a better company here. I think that's really cool, you know? So that was really my biggest takeaway. And I think that you're 100% right. They're doing that so that they can have the foundation, mm -hmm. uh -huh, structural engineer foundation, <laughs> have the foundation of growing their company even faster. That's really, really smart. I mean, there's su such a wise entrepreneur way of looking at it where you're pushing, you want to grow and you want to achieve your BHAG, but they also realize that they need to be set in sustainable growth. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and that takes a lot of, you know, courage to do that and to slow that growth down. Um, I mean, when you have 23 employees to feed, right. And to, to pay and make that payroll, you know, Sometimes it takes a lot of courage to say, you know, maybe we shouldn't take on that project. Well, Ags, that's going to do it for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We hope that if you're not connected with Anna and Drew, that you make sure that you do that. You know, they're very, very active on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. And while you're on the interwebs, how, we hope that you connect with Chris and I. Connect with Aggie Growth Hacks if, if you haven't done so already. Make sure that you subscribe, like, and rate a comment on whatever podcast app you're listening to. And also check out AggieGrowthHacks.com, where you can listen to this episode, our previous episodes, and some of our other great content. We want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. 
Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a wantrepreneur, head on over to their website to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin right now. Join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig em.